Welcome to the podcast edition of Dream Talk Radio. I'm your host, Anne Hill, and every week I explore topics related to dreams, sleep, health, culture, and consciousness. Dream Talk Radio airs every Thursday from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific Time on KOWS 107.3 FM in Occidental, California. And you can catch the live stream at www.kows.fm. To find out more about Dream Talk Radio, visit my website at anhill.org. That's A-N-N-E-H-I-L-L dot org. Meanwhile, I hope you enjoy this edition of Dream Talk Radio. So we are here at Dream Talk Radio, and I have as my guest a very interesting writer and uh, dreamer, Eleanor Baron Druckery. Is that? Did I get you right? Oh, good. Uh, and um, you have written a book called Corn Woman Sings and have a really interesting story about how you come to dreams and, and where uh, where your dream journey has led you. So welcome to Dream Talk Radio. Well, thank you. I'm very happy to be here. Thanks. It's great to have you here. And I've just got to get your mic levels up. Let me make sure. Okay. Uh, let's see if I can get you there now. So... Tell me a little something, first of all, about how you came to dreams. It sounds like you had one of those experiences that a lot of us have, which is that something came to you in a dream. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So um, I think the story really begins um, when I was growing up. My father used to be a dreamer, and every morning he would tell my mother about his dreams, and um, and so I knew that there were dreams. Yeah. Somewhere, something was happening. <laughs> there was there were stories being told, and the earliest recollection I have is uh, when I was about five or six. Mm-hmm. Um, I our neighborhood was you know it was a working class neighborhood. Yeah. There were sidewalks out in front, and then there was a street, and that was the extent of our pay- uh-huh. playground. So mine was out on the sidewalk. We played hopscotch. The squares were outlined. And so it was, um, in a way, the sidewalk represented a lot of stability for us. Mm -hmm. So that's where my dream takes place. A little background on that is that we were fundamentalists. Mm -hmm. My parents Mm -hmm. were fundamentalists, and we belonged to a, a small spanish-speaking mm-hmm. community and um so when i have my dream i'm out on the sidewalk mm. and um jesus comes up to me and uh takes me by the hand i can see his white gown glistening mm-hmm. in the sunlight um the ripples of the fabric blowing softly mm. in the breeze and I have a recollection of my hand in his. Hmm. So um, he's not—he's not doing saying anything. He just takes my hand in his, and we start flying together. Hmm. And when I start kind of falling down, he yeah. just shows me to tap my foot, and I will glide again. So I get, I really love it. I start tapping my foot. Sure. um, And there was something about the freedom and the joy of flying in my dream, 
um, being met by this wonderful presence. So when I told my mother about it, I, um, I, you know, I just told her, yeah. and she was at the stove cooking oatmeal or something like that, transferring something from the front burner mm-hmm. to the back burner. And I, and I, I said, you know, Jesus came and I flew with him. Mm. And she looked at me and she didn't say anything. <laughs> and and um, you were how old at this time? Five or six. Five or six, yeah. So um, there was something in her acknowledgement that said, I know what you're talking about. Uh-huh. And from that time on, I came back to that dream time and time mm-hmm. again. As I got older, I started using dreams mm-hmm. for something. I mean, it was just spontaneous. I learned how to ride a bike. Mm-hmm. I learned, um, there were a lot of things that I learned from school in my dreams. Um, and even practicing the piano when there were passages that that I couldn't hear mm. that I couldn't get the rhythm of yeah. um, they would come to me in my dreams once once it came to me in my dream um, I could do it and so there was this kind of relationship that I had with it I even learned how to ride a bike that's amazing. It it was, and it was... Had, now, had you tried before, or was it just suddenly you have the dream about riding a bike, you get on a bike for the first time and... No, I had been uh, falling a lot the day before. Ah, uh, okay. And, um, oh, okay. And so, when I have the dream, what I observed about mm-hmm. it is the balance that I felt. Uh, so I tried to... Du- so I duplicated right. the balance in my waking state. I got on the bike, I fell down... And I said, no, there's, there was something happening. Uh-huh. I know I can do it. Uh-huh. And so I studied my mind. That's Seven it. or eight. Yeah. And, uh, and I did it. Uh-huh. And pretty soon I was just kind of sailing down the street. <laughs> then it came to turning. And, yeah. you know, uh, there was a trust there uh-huh. that I learned yeah. really early just in hearing my father's right. stories of dreaming. Yeah. Sometimes, well, they were stories for me. Um, so when I started, so over years, my mother and I would have these strange experiences where we would be tapping into other dimensions Mm. together. Um, I remember one time, um, she used to work as a cook in a bracero camp, Uh so it was kind of out in the Stockton Delta. Okay. And, um just the raceros were there and I had spent the night with her well at three or four in the morning we start hearing this tremendous pounding on the wall and it sounded like there were boxes being dragged I don't know how long but Mm -hmm. you know they were being dragged on the floor and it was on the other side of the wall where we where our sleeping quarters were and the other side was locked it was Mm. nailed actually wow so there couldn't be anybody there and we knew it had to be something right um non-ordinary yes (laughs) i started praying like you could not believe (laughs) and i was not a prayer at that point and um 
so the night finally passed yeah. and I went back to sleep. My mother got up early and went on to work right. and we talked about it the next day and she said, uh, she said, do you, so do you want to see, should we go see what's on the other sides? Mm. So we, um, my father un-nailed um, ah, the door right. and we got in and the dust was completely settled, no indication of any activity. Wow. So those were the things that I yeah. was kind of used to with yeah. my mother. Right. Um, and when I was an adult, I was about 23, my mother had already died, mm. um, and a face came up to me like just kissing distance from mm. mine and said to me do you want to know <laughs> and I thought I'm 23 leave me alone <laughs> go home <laughs> exactly well we had been kind of playing around with it I used to work for an insurance company and in the um, lunchroom we'd have these interesting conversations and we had been talking about uh, ESP uh-huh. Uh, the occult, and, right? You know, and I was because you were in, still in California. Yeah, yeah, I was in California. By then, I had moved to San Francisco. San Francisco. Um, yeah, my early years were in Stockton, Stockton, yeah. Stockton California. Um, so that you know, I was really interested mm. because there were other things that were happening in my life. Sometimes I would feel spirits, you know, breathing mm-hmm. literally down my mm-hmm. neck. So when this voice came up to me and this face was just right in front of me, I thought, I've got to stop fooling around. Uh, and I just sat up really quickly and I said, no. Uh-huh. So 10 years go by. So that was one that you, you, actually you woke up. And just I woke said, up no and I said, into, no. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was a right. definite no. Right. Stay away. <laughs> I don't want to know about it anymore. So 10 years went by, yeah. and I still felt the sense of somebody following mm. me or in front of me. And I thought, you know, it's time to in, uh, inquire into this. And um, so I started keeping a dream journal. Mm-hmm. By then, I was just graduating from Cal in history, and uh-huh. I had done some uh, classes at um, in the... Um, ethnic studies department uh-huh. which at that point was probably pretty new it was very new yeah it was very new yeah. and I um, you know I was kind of confused like well here's my history but I have this interest yeah. that I have so um, I heard stories of um, what do you call them my mind is going by okay mm-hmm. where the sweat lodges yeah and um how you know the experience was were very real right. and unusual things mm-hmm. used to happen so that resonated for me and i and so I, then i knew it wasn't just a quirk yeah of me and my mother my right. mother and myself um so when i started keeping the dream journal yeah at first, they were disconnected, fragmented mm-hmm. images, kind of frightening. But about a year into it, I began to see something different. And it started out with an Indian grandmother asking me if she could join me. 
Well, this is in a dream where I'm kind, I, I was floating on my back in a very protected area, which I later, many, many years later, mm-hmm. saw that it was Baby Beach on Maui. Oh. Yeah. So, um, so I got out of the water, came to my towel, and that's where um, she comes to me, and mm. she's speaking to me in Spanish, which is really unusual, because after my mother died, there was very little opportunity that I had to yeah. speak Spanish. My mm. father had gone back to Mexico. Oh, okay. So yeah. m- my parents both were from Mexico. Uh-huh. And um, so I... I felt a kinship with her, a kindred spirit. Yeah. And I said, she, so she says to me in Spanish, voy contigo, shall I join you? And I say to her, si, como no. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm drying my hair with a towel and I'm thinking, who is she? <laughs> but, <laughs> but there was something really yeah. a heart-opening experience that mm-hmm. that I later felt a lot of times. But mostly in her presence. Mm-hmm. So there was another dream in where in which I it's a really long extended dream but the crucial point is that I'm exploring a beautiful house in the woods and my mother is with me. Mm-hmm. And uh we come into the living room and it is absolutely breathtaking. Mm. Actually, I'm looking for a house to live in, and so this is uh-huh. where the dream takes right. me, in the woods, in this beautiful mm. house. And um, it's beautiful until I see that, that there's a huge plate glass window, and right behind that, in the front yard of the house, is this rock mountain as big as El Capitan Mm. or, you know, something like in Yosemite. And it just stops me cold in my tracks. I look around. There's a rug, an oriental rug. There are chairs around the room. Yeah. And um, there's a skylight above me. And I'm assessing all this while I'm just kind of reeling from this rock that's in front of me. Hmm. And um, I would say this was about five or six years into the mm-hmm. journals. And um, I am totally stunned by this rock that is terrifying. Oh. it's Now, is there anything in the rock? that, it, Or is it just like the, the feeling of well, the rock? Well, it's the feeling. Yeah. Later on, I found out that, I mean, in the culture... Nature is alive. Yes. So this was something that I was just starting to come in touch with, yeah. and I had no idea what this energy was about. It was terrifying. Yeah. But because I had already been learning other things about being in other dimensions, I saw that what I needed to do was just take a deep breath and settle myself down. Mm-hmm. Not come out of the dream, but mm-hmm. stay in the mm-hmm. dream and let it speak to me. Yeah. So I just take a deep breath. I'm waiting for it to show me what, what what's happening or what right. it's presenting to me. And as I deep breather in deep, deep, breathe deeper into my body Mm -hmm. I start noticing that something 
is revealing itself about this energy. Hmm. And what is originally a really menacing, frightening, terrifying, ghost-like essence starts turning into this wonderful, compassionate, Hmm. loving being. Wow. Yeah. So when I breathe into it, it like it envelops me from come comes towards me it, it it's like all i become mo- molecules yeah. with it yeah and it extends into eternity mm. but there's something about it that teaches me that this is where reality is mm. that there is something more than we are than I even have the faintest idea what it is. I was 23 years old Uh. at the time. And um, I had no... No, I'm sorry. This was after. Yeah, this was, yeah, yeah, after that that other face came up to me. It was 10 years later, Uh so I was 33. And... um, and so when I tried to process that with, you know, coming back to reality, waking mm-hmm. life, mm-hmm. Uh, when I tried to process that with, um, with my therapist, yeah. it's like that part of it is absent. Uh-huh. Um, there was no acknowledgement that I had had an encounter with something greater than the physical realm. Right. And... Um, because therapists aren't really trained to go there. And, and this is back in the 70s. The 70s. So yes, definitely right. there was no no touchstone yes. for the spiritual right. in psychology. That was just kind of starting. It was. I should say that uh, you are listening to Dream Talk Radio. I have in the studio with me Eleanor Baron Drucker, uh, who is talking about her dream journey and her book, Corn Woman Sings. You can uh, find out... More about Eleanor's story at ChicanaDreamer.com. And so yeah. let's loop back around to the story. <laughs> okay, thank you. So with those, with my encou- my dream experiences yeah. and my work in therapy, I thought, no, there's something different going on here that I need to explore. And um, so... I have another dream, yeah. and that dream um, takes me into an underground cave. Mm. And there are three or four elders, men, and they select someone. They're, they're there to select someone to um, bring forth the cultural traditions. Uh-huh. Now, this is from, this is now... Uh, 1995. Oh, so yeah. So yeah. The, those dr- those mega yeah. dreams were pretty sparse, yeah. but really significant, and they would yeah. fill in. They would inspire my life. Yeah. Um, until the next dream right. that told me what I needed to do next. Yeah. So when I have that dream, I wake up in the morning and I'm thinking. Now, this is going a little too far. (laughs) Hang on. Cave. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, and then I'm thinking, you know, I've seen these guys before. Uh, And uh, I wonder if grandmother has anything to do uh with them. 
and all these other questions. And then I'm thinking, am I carrying it too far uh-huh. to say that they right. are telling me to do something? And I, that seems to me one of the the key moments in following your dreams, that moment. And it comes several times. And maybe you can yes. concur. Am I going a little off the deep end with this? Yeah. You know, sh- is this a little bit too much to be putting, to be reading into these dreams, experiences? Right. I mean, it, uh, we had, ha- I had had several summers with my grandmother uh-huh. in Mexico. And um, there it was a combination of hearing the stories of the mm-hmm. 1910 revolution, right. yeah. the experience that they had, the sp- loss of the family mm-hmm. the um just the change in the culture that yeah. ha- they had experienced as a result of the uh revolution mm-hmm. my mother had left shortly in the between the 1910s and 1920s uh-huh. during that range of uh-huh. time so i had heard some stories yeah. that cultural stories right. um but being told to that you know to do something i had no idea what mm-hmm. the elders were talking about i didn't even i used just used to think you know who are these guys yeah right um and when i was still in bed that morning i i was looking at my um a dream catcher that i had at the foot of at the foot of the bed and um I thought to myself, I wonder if they're telling me to do something with writing. Hmm. And I had all the journals. They were all scribbles in, yeah. you know, sometimes they were jur- little yeah, notebooks little, yeah. bound. And sometimes they were just spiral notebooks mm-hmm. that were really convenient yeah. to hold. So I thought, well, I have nothing to lose. Mm-hmm. I can just start entering my journals into the computer Mm. and so that's Mm -hmm. what I started doing Mm -hmm. it was just an exercise of trying to read my handwriting um by then it was 25 years of dream journals and um and I had started getting the idea of going back to um school again when I had the dream of the the mountain speaking to me imprinting itself in me I had started teaching dream awareness Mm -hmm. slow movement and meditation classes but then I realized I needed a lot more training in Mm -hmm. dealing with people's feelings and as a result of that dream I had gone back to school to graduate school Uh and done a master's in counseling so here it was, yeah. another 10, 15, uh-huh. 12 years, um, and they're telling me to do something else. So uh-huh. I'm thinking, you know, as the journals started developing, I started seeing that there were categories mm-hmm. and, that I, and that there were, definitely was a story, but I had no idea what that story was about. Mm-hmm. Um. And so I got this idea of going to graduate school school again <laughs> to do the research on the dreams. And um, I was sick at the time. Yeah. I, I, you know, my life had just slowed down. And um, 
I started investigating where I could get some money uh-huh. for the project, and I didn't. I already had school loans up to yeah, I'm sure my head, <laughs> and um, so I started writing around for mm-hmm. um, for funding, mm-hmm. and someone said, you know, have you thought about, um, you know, because I was ill, have, have mm-hmm. you thought about getting some help for disabilities? Uh-huh. And lo and behold, within a really short period of time, I had 50000 to <gasps> oh plunk into gosh, this project. Oh my how wonderful. So I felt really encouraged yes, by that. right. Um. So what happened once I started looking at dr- the dreams and um, examining what was in front of me, mm-hmm. I uncovered the Aztec and Mayan dream traditions, mm-hmm. which basically went underground when the Spaniards arrived. Mm-hmm. M- maybe they were... they in- I w- wouldn't say infiltrated, but they mm-hmm. interwove themselves into the Catholic Church, and as a result of mm-hmm. that, there were a lot of traditions that were transformed right. to fit in with Catholicism. Right. Um, but what I found was that in this dream tradition, it wove in with the religions of the time mm-hmm. and the god of duality. So I'm opening my dissertation. Oh my here. goodness, look at that. <laughs> ah, yeah. the contemporary role of the Chicana <laughs> dreamer. This is your dissertation. Yeah. It is an impressive tome, I must say. Yeah, it's um it's 200 something pages and you know, single-sided. Yes, right. Um but um so I started looking at Okay. I started looking at what the um, categories were that I was yeah. uncovering. And I saw that uh, in the worldview, mm-hmm. which is very different from our linear Western point of view, mm-hmm. I started feeling the acknowledged, sort of the validation that my dreams were a lot mm-hmm. more than I had mm-hmm. anticipated. Now, let me just pause for a moment and ask, uh, so you're investigating the the early the Mayan and Aztec traditions. Now, the Mayans actually had writing well before the Spaniards, or the, or the, uh, the sort of the pictograph. I mean... They did, yeah. and um, the Spaniards uh, destroyed them. Uh-huh. There were about four books that were put back together. Okay. No, that escaped the burning uh-huh. and ended up in Europe, Spain. Okay. Germany, England. Um, so what happened is that as the as the friars, the Spanish priests yeah. and the dreamers, they actually put something back together mm-hmm. again from memory mm. because it had been oral right. anyway. And right. so the so fortunately, uh, one of the friars, Bartolomé de las Clas- uh, de las de las casas uh, was um, was very instrumental in getting the stories back down mm-hmm. 
into Spanish. Ah, uh-huh. So, uh, oh, so being down in that area and then getting the oral stories and then translating them into Spanish. Yes. Oh, that's so interesting yes. how these legends come and go in different languages. Yeah, so uh, mm. so what they did, they did was um, salvage yeah. what had not been destroyed culturally yet. Uh-huh. And that's where... That's what you were able to... That's what I uh-huh. was able to right. access. Right. We are speaking with Eleanor Baron Drucri, and uh, we're getting into the material from her dissertation, which is fascinating, The Contemporary Role of the Chicana Dreamer. So, um, so what I found in the religions is that there was a belief in the opposites of the... Um, I'll kind of show you... Okay. The, um, I'll give you an idea. I'm sh- I'm uh, downloading the oh, okay. picture. So oh yes. So here's a picture of La Virgen, and here is the um, mortal soul encountering the spiritual. Yes, the Virgin she, of Guadalupe. The Virgen de Guadalupe, and um, and so. That would be considered one duality, the uh-huh. spirit and the physical realm. Okay. Uh, and then there were um, the four directions uh-huh. that I still have not been able... I mean, there are there's a lot of information to decipher the four directions. But for me, what was significant about it is that the east and west represent opposites, the north and south represent opposites. Mm-hmm. So, in put simply, the west, the east, and the west mean represent beginning and end. Uh-huh. Yes. Um, the south and north represent birth and death. Okay. And the way that they looked at life was represented. Um, by the cedar tree. Oh. El árbol de la vida. So this is the tree of life. Yes. The cedar. Ah, so interesting. So, and they believed in, you know, as you went higher up the tree, there were different levels of reality Mm -hmm. that you would encounter. Mm -hmm. Several different. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Yes. Seven levels of reality. Yes. And then there were some down below. Down below. And those were where death resided. Uh Uh-huh. Um, there is a lot that I have translated from these yeah. this information into my contemporary experience yeah. to make it um, workable for yeah. me and what I'm trying to teach. So, um, if we think of the the levels down below, I can think of uh, the subconscious yeah. and how a lot of the information is stored there for us. Um, genetic mm-hmm. memory, the past, the present, the future. Yeah. Um, and so... So you basically went back into this source material and derived from it a, a, an understanding of the cosmology within which your dreams had arisen for all yes. those years. Yes. Ah, lovely. Um, and from that, I um, became aware of the god of duality. And in the meantime, um, 
grandmother yeah. had appeared to me in the waking state where I had, you know, I had com- I w- was doing lying down meditations. Yeah. Uh, and mm-hmm. as I was coming out of meditation, um, she appeared to me. And she gave, she imparted a lesson on feminine energy. Mm. And, and that previous weekend, I had been at a Buddhist retreat center, and we had been talking about feminine energy and mm-hmm. why we couldn't ring mm-hmm. the bell, gong the, you know. And we were all up in arms, and uh-huh. I was one of the vocal ones. And <laughs> I can't imagine <laughs> Somehow that seems so out of character. <laughs> I know. I, I used to get myself into trouble when it was, you know, when it came to things that were close to my heart. Yeah. But anyway, so she comes to me and and says, um, she comes to me and she l- let, get, gives me a sense of myself. Hmm. It's kind of like she does the same thing to me that The Rock did, oh. only to me it's more in um, the physical. Oh, okay. I didn't touch her. I could just see her. Yeah. Um, so she did the same thing to me where she, you know, lets me feel her presence mm-hmm. from head to toe. And then she claps three times and she says, do you get it? Hmm. And so I thought, oh, okay, so you're telling me this is the reason why we can't ring the bell, gong, because it's a totally different vibration from mm. the sound of uh. metal being uh, in the physical realm. Mm-hmm. It's not wood, it's metal, and it has a different yeah. uh, quality to it. And what the feminine actually is about. And the feminine, I mean, I was a, a feminist. Right. I, I was one of those, uh, burn, I didn't burn my bra, but I definitely had my own version of it. You warmed it up. We put <laughs> yeah. it on the radiators and that was yeah, pretty damn was, close. And that's where it stayed. So anyway, so, so to be shown why the difference between Male and female uh-huh. energy was really different yes. for me. Yeah. And I didn't have a name for it except that the goddess, the mm-hmm. face of the goddess. Right. And that's what, um, that's where I started mm-hmm. going into understanding more of what the the dream cultures mm-hmm. were. Um, I also got to see um, the what Nahualismo is about, mm. shape-shifting. Uh-huh. Um, I guess for me, shape-shifting is the ability to change circumstances, to change the quality of our thoughts so that we can impact waking reality Mm -hmm. to change that into something less conflictual. Yeah. Um. Now, I'm going to pause here a little bit because it sounds to me, it seems like, I mean, that idea mm-hmm. of being able to calm our thoughts and, and get down to some essential um, essential presence and consciousness 
and in order to shift things around. D- d- did you find um, similarities between the Buddhism that you were studying and and your own traditions that were unfolding? And yes, was I that did. helpful to oh, you to have that? It was very helpful. Yeah. I've I've heard. I've heard, I, I am also a student of the Course in Miracles. Oh, okay, yeah. And I've heard that the Course in Miracles is very, um, can be applied to some very fine Buddhist mm-hmm. uh, teachings. And, and it really, from my experience of it, it does. Yeah. But coming back to what these were, mm-hmm. it's like, it's like Buddhism, the Course in Miracles, the whole idea, and and Judeo-Christian traditions, yeah. they all have those opposites. Yes. Where it's our responsibility, mm. for lack of a better word, or our option to transcend mm-hmm. the material plane and go into the spiritual realms where things are much more you think something and then it becomes Mm -hmm. in the waking plane you think something and maybe sometime three weeks a year away it'll change 10 years yeah (laughs) so um so so for me now nawalismo or shape-shifting has become that chal- uh-huh. a challenge right. of okay where am i limiting myself yes. what am i how am i seeing the situation mm-hmm. which is absolutely totally unrelated mm-hmm. to reality mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that's part of the gift is that right. i have seen okay this is the waking state is a dream yeah. and the spiritual realm is reality and that's how the native culture saw Mm -hmm. dreams dreaming is real waking is the dream Mm -hmm. so i so it gave me the opportunity to to start changing my paradigm Mm -hmm. to start saying that wait a minute if i really pay attention in the waking state i can know what's happening at other levels yeah but it takes a stillness that, for me at least, it has not come easily. Yeah. I've been a very restless soul. I've, I've lived a lot. <laughs> Let's put it that way. But, you know, it, it's kind of like once I started keeping a dream journal and I started seeing that there were other realms, I started seeing that having a stillness of mind was really important. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I continue to learn about that stillness yeah. of mind. Um, so when I was doing the um, the dissertation, doing the research, and I came across Nahualismo, that's how mm-hmm. I started to um, translate what the old stories mm-hmm. meant. They could tell a story, and in between the lines, you could figure out if you knew what you were looking for. Uh-huh. Right. Or at least that, you know, that's what I started figuring out. 
So time and space was another. Mm-hmm. Um, when we really still the mind in our dreams, we can become aware of everything. We mm-hmm. can re- become aware of the symphony of the universe. Mm-hmm. We can become aware of a deep love and compassion that is beyond our wildest dreams mm-hmm. in the waking state. So how to bring that, you know, the when we talk about duality and nawalismo, shape-shifting, when we talk about that, the duality then becomes our mission in life, and that is to become one with everything. Mm-hmm. So that's what time and space is yeah. about, is becoming one, not having you and me separate, but... Right. You know that in the molecules between here and there, yeah, uh, there is a connection, and if we could do it in the material plane, we right. could come together and become embrace one another and become yeah. one. Um, now you know I didn't. I'm sorry. Thank <laughs> you for interrupting you. I didn't mean to to bring this up, but it's just occurring to me. Uh, you've been studying the Mayan traditions. And there's all of this talk now about the Mayan calendar in 2012. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I just kind of try and keep it at arm's length. But I thought maybe I should ask you from your research and your dreaming, what does that does that have any significance at all in terms of anything that we're going through right now? Well, yeah, it does. It does. What I came across in the information is that. And it also, I mean, I, I have a second book going, uh-huh. and, and it has to do with the stories of the migration south and the migration, the, you know, immigration today. Uh-huh. But um, what, what I understand about it today is that our ancestors anticipated the arrival of the Spaniards. Mm -hmm. In the God of Duality, the God of Duality determines everything. Mm -hmm. So when when the Spaniards arrive and um, they think it's Quetzalcoatl, they soon figure out that it's not Quetzalcoatl. Mm -hmm. That and um, it's it was written in their genetic memory that something cataclysmic was going uh-huh. to happen. And in a way, that was why they gave permission to the the um, conquerors uh, to, write. To, to, um, to take over. Because mm. it, it was already predestined. Uh-huh. And, and, and in destiny, the idea is that we don't control it. Mm-hmm. We don't control what the divine, the creator, has in store for us. Um, we do control the sacred gifts that come to us, mm. and I'll say more about that in a minute. Uh, we control um, how conscious we can be, or whether we choose to be conscious, mm-hmm. whether we choose to s- sleep through this life. Those mm-hmm. are within our mm-hmm. um, abilities. Yeah. 
but we do not control destiny because destiny has something far greater than we could ever imagine. And just because we have a short life, it does not mean that we've been short-circuited. Right. <laughs> we are speaking with Eleanor Baron Drucri here on Dream Talk Radio this morning. Uh, Eleanor is author of Corn Woman Sings, A Medicine Woman's Dream Map. And she's going over some of the her research, uh, the Mayan and Aztec dream traditions that sort yeah. of are, are an integral part yes. of your story. Yeah. So just to kind of wrap up with your question. Yes, yes. <laughs> short version of it. Very short version. Uh, the, the sh- the, what I found is that in that anticipation, they mm-hmm. also anticipated that uh, there would be another shift mm-hmm. 500 years hence. And that was also written in the books that had been yeah. destroyed, the the calculations they mm-hmm. had done. What I have learned about it is that the year 2011 or 2012, I've seen it both ways, is that it's an anticipation of a change in consciousness. Um, and that consciousness is impacting the material uh, it's impacting mother earth Mm. and a lot of the damage that we're doing to it is creating you know the tsunamis and the um change in weather patterns but it's beyond I i mean there is something greater that's happening and it is in consciousness that they have the ancestors have hung around the world plane right. uh, to guide us through it, and um, and so what I am seeing about that change is that we have we experience these changes from time to time anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, this is one that is a big one because in those cult- in the indigenous cultures, not only in our calendar but in other traditions, there there is the anticipation of a change, uh-huh. the the end. Yeah, and people might say, "Well, we might have flooding, we might have fires, we might have earthquakes." Yes, it could be that, but. More importantly than that is that our consciousness is what we have the ability to really rise above the dual plane, mm-hmm. the being a non-doing, the being a non-being. Mm-hmm. That That is really the message of 2012. So sort of an opportunity, uh, sort of a supercharged time in which we can actually jump if we i have the will to jump in a sense yes if we want to become awake and that awake can become a decision to leave this planet Mm -hmm. for in however way we choose to leave it or it chooses to send us off meaning you know is it transition is it death death as we know it it's not yeah the yeah. real death the rapture no <laughs> i just don't think that's true <laughs> much as i would love the idea to have the whole planet to yeah. ourselves 
Yeah, that, <laughs> too good un- to be true. <laughs> Unfortunately. <laughs> well, you know, you, you never know what it's going to be lo- look like. That's true. But I, I gotta I, keep I eyes would, open. Yeah, but I would suspect that it has a lot of levels to it. Yeah. Um. So I see that. I oh, we're, st- we've still got about ten minutes. Oh, so. okay. Yeah. Well, I should start wrapping it up so that okay. people can see what the message yes, is behind sure. this. Okay, so in all these things that I've talked about, the God of duality, Nawalismo, time and space, dreaming, Mm. and all the traditions that I uncovered, the basic thing about it is that in, at the time of conception, Mm -hmm. the God of duality decides what kind of life you're going to have. And the sacred gifts that you will need are imprinted Hmm. in your soul, in your spirit, in your heart. And it's up to us to decipher them, kind of the way that I had to decipher what these dreams were about. Yeah. Excuse me. Yeah. And um, so what I found is that in these sacred gifts, everybody has a gift. Everybody is born with a talent. Mm -hmm. And traditionally, people had had a a psychologist, Mm -hmm. a medicine person, to guide them through that process of finding the Excuse me. Oh, do you need some water? Yes, oh, it <laughs> it's hiding oh, behind. A, so yes. So yes. medicine woman as psychologist in a, in a certain sense. Mm-hmm. In the in the sort of the tribal or the village structure, there was always a guide of some sort to help you find your face and heart. Yeah, and in that face and heart was where your your sacred gifts were, mm-hmm. um, right, uncovered, discovered. So, um, what I would like to read. Oh, okay. So, what I would like to yeah. leave with our listeners sure. and with in our conversation uh-huh. is that um, uncovering the sacred gift is in the path. Well, first of all. Dreams are a path of transformation. Mm -hmm. Uncovering the sacred gifts is a path of transformation. It offers the opportunity to just keep searching for what is real. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in in Buddhism, in Christianity, this life is not real. Mm -hmm. It's our native home, our real, beautiful, spacious, wonderful glistening light eternal home that's real Mm -hmm. so i mean i think it's a big deal to be born with sacred gifts and to not discover them Hmm. so here is a sacred gift that came to me when i when i when i discovered that um uh that what I had been given in the dreams was a sacred gift. Mm-hmm. All of it had been a sac- 
all of it had been a sacred gift and it was up to me to unscramble it it's Mm -hmm. kind of like you see something on a cd and all you see is a bunch of letters and you know how what are you going to do with those so um so that's what it how it appears in our lives and so we have to take those images and put them out Mm -hmm. on the desktop you know it's it's like a puzzle you pick out pieces and it goes here you pick up another piece it goes there and pretty soon you have a picture and that picture is never finished. Yes. It's never finished. It wasn't started this lifetime, and it won't be finished this lifetime. But it's something for you to use, for us to use while we're in this plane to help us become awake within mm-hmm. the dream of life. So here's what I found about mm-hmm. a sacred gift. Um, there, in the um, Plains Indians, there's a society called uh, that gift. Let's see. It, I can't ex- um, pronounce the Indian, uh-huh. Indian words, yeah. but <clears throat> translated, it means death shows compassion. Mm-hmm. And I discovered that In my dreams, I was seeing death. Uh-huh. I would see people's death ahead of time. Uh-huh. This is so interesting. We just had this conversation with some friends about dreams of death. And so, yes. Yeah, so, okay. So, <laughs> I want to hear more about that. So, so that they can, that it's actually dream, um, death showing compassion mm-hmm. to us and selecting us to see it when when we get to see its face Mm -hmm. so i had many dreams where i would anticipate people's death and you could say that that's a big responsibility Mm -hmm. but it's not any different than someone who was born with a gift of playing the guitar Mm. with a gift of dance with a gift of poetry with a gift of for gardening Mm -hmm. you know it's, it's just not something you want to bring out at a talent show, perhaps. Yeah. <laughs> you can take out your guitar, but don't be talking about people's deaths. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Death, death has, you know, death is a gift in itself. That's right. So, um, so what I, in coming back to yeah. the other things that I discovered about it, is that I was seeing people's death when I was working uh, with Jerry Jampolsky at the Center for Attitudinal mm-hmm. Healing, I started falling into step with people's illness, with the family, and just yeah. being able to see something that, if I wasn't paying attention in my dreams, I would have overlooked it. Mm-hmm. So um, an example of that is that I had a friend that was in and out of the hospital a lot in the last year she was alive. Mm -hmm. And um, so I started having some dreams about her, which indicated to me that she was getting ready to Mm -hmm. make her transition. Uh, The first dream, uh, I'll make it real short, Mm -hmm. she... um, she takes me into her home. <clears throat> Excuse me. Mm-hmm. 
She takes me into her home, and I go in through the back door, and there is a really cold room that Mm -hmm. she turns on the air conditioner. And Mm -hmm. when she turns on the air conditioner, these black drapes fall over the mirrors. Mm -hmm. And that right there, you know, it's a Jewish tradition. You cover the mirrors up. In the back room, not the front room. Yeah. And so I went to visit her. And when I went to visit her, um, I rubbed her feet. We had a nice conversation. Mm. And that night, I have another mm. dream. Mm. I have, And this one was really an experience mm. for me because it was very real. <clears throat> it's 3 o'clock in the morning, and I begin having sensations of suffocation. Hmm. This is while, so y- while you're asleep, you're having the... Yes. Yeah. And I begin, okay, there is a total absence of light, Mm. more profound than anything I've ever experienced. I choke and gasp for air, Mm. stretch my neck and arch my back to let my lungs expand. I begin falling down. I begin falling down a chute, falling, falling, and not knowing where I'm going. Mm. In this utter chaos, I discover that my friend... Mm -hmm is following me. Finally, we hit bottom, and it's just a tiny island of moist soil near the edge of a flowing river. I see a group of people, and the first person Mm. I recognize is my mother, standing there on dry ground, smiling happily. She and several of Kay's friends are waiting for her. There is music and celebration of her Mm. arrival. I want to hug my mother, but she holds her hand up, telling me I shouldn't cross the river. Mm -hmm. I realize I am escorting her from her life on earth to her next life, escorting Kay. And now it's time for, for us to say goodbye. She is ready to stay and steps across the narrow stream of water that separates us from the group. Uh. That's a pretty clear dream of the crossing. Yeah. Yeah. It was. And then, uh, so while I was... um, So did she pass that evening? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's the other part of the story. Yeah. In the morning when I woke up, I thought, I've got to get in touch with her husband. Mm -hmm. And so I went to the phone and I was sitting there and looking for the phone number. Yeah. This was in 86, um, looking for the phone number, and he calls, uh, and he tells me that yes. she has passed away. Uh-huh. And then uh, I say to him, yeah, she's doing fine. Mm-hmm. And he says, I dream that she was dancing with her grandfather. Oh, how wonderful. And I thought, wow. Oh, you know, there. Nice. I mean, it was, it, to me, it was really something tangential yeah. something yeah. I mean something what, what's the word for holding it in your hand tangible tangible yeah and um, and so do so anyway in coming yeah. back to the process of 2010 mm-hmm. 2012 whatever it is um, and sacred gifts um, 
I discovered that dreaming is really a path of transformation. Mm -hmm. And we have that option of coming awake now or choosing to suffer a little bit longer. Um, because, you know, we're here for, we have a purpose. Mm -hmm. We have a reason for being here. And the sacred gifts that we've arrived with are exquisite for the next seven generations. They're an exquisite legacy. And so it's up to us to let them unfold, to use them and to um, say the story that needs to be said for mm -hmm. the next generation, mm -hmm. for the next several generations. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story this morning. We have been speaking to Eleanor Baron Druckery, uh, author of Corn Woman Sings, A Medicine Woman's Dream Map. Uh, Eleanor, you're you're in the area, right? In, I uh, am. Um, you can you can find Eleanor out at her website, chicanadreamer.com. Yeah, and also we'll I'll, um, yes. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll be starting some dream groups in June, so uh -huh. uh, you can reach me at uh, Chican through the Chicana Dreamer mm -hmm. website or chicanadreamer. Dot Com. Oh, oh, Chicana Dreamer at Comcast. Oh, at Comcast. Okay. Yeah, um, both. Um, I'll be, um, I'm negotiating some um, dream groups at uh, La Pena oh, in great. Berkeley uh -huh. for um, meetings with medicine people. Oh, great. Uh, which will be, which ideally will be a year-long uh -huh. course where we meet once a month. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'll be in um, Fiesta Educativa in Los Angeles. And we're doing a video right now where oh, that's great. called um, Dreams, Sacred Gifts, and Artists as Mystics. Wonderful. And we'll be talking about dreams and developing sacred gifts and how that comes about. And um, I do one-to-one -one consultations, mm -hmm. um, bilingual, okay. also Spanish. And um, ta speak at universities and nonprofits. I have a blog, and eventually I will get <laughs> around to having an e newsletter. Oh, yes. Well, so. all of those things happening in the dream world that we live in. I know. <laughs> well, so people can get it, people can find out more by uh, getting in touch with you through your website, chicanadreamer.com or yes. chicanadreamer at comcast.net. Yes. And that's all the time we have for today. But uh, this has been Dream Talk Radio. I'm your host, Anne Hill, every Thursday from 9 to 10 here on COWS. And uh, you can hear podcasts of past shows and find out more about what is going on, what is coming up in uh, on Dream Talk Radio at dreamtalkradio.net. Um, so... I think we'll we'll say goodbye and thank you uh, so much. Been Anna. lovely to speak this. to you. Thank you uh -huh. so much. That ends this week's Dream Talk Radio Show podcast. Thanks for listening and remember to tune in every Thursday from 9 to 10 a.m. at www.kows.fm. This is Ann Hill and I'll see you again next week.